Welcome to Dodgers Dogs. Casey Porter here with my partner, as I am each and every Friday night. Hey, according to DMAC, by the way, with the best, how did he put that, show flow in the business? Austin Brubaker, huh? Oh, no, that is that was hilarious. Yeah, if you if you have not seen that, DMAC released the third edition with Casey of his interview that he had a couple of weeks ago. And uh, yeah, no, it was hilarious to hear a shout out from him giving me the best hair among the uh, Dodgers Dodgers YouTube community. Uh, just absolutely hilarious. DMAC is obviously the best. Congratulations to him. Congratulations to Dodgers Daily on getting to 80,000 subscribers. Dodgers super Nation, happy yeah. for them. Yeah, and super excited about the show tonight here at Dodgers Daily. So couldn't be excited to hang out with the best Dodgers and baseball community out there. What is it, 70 days till the loons kick it off? It is exactly 70 days. I was actually looking it up a little bit earlier. 70 days from today, uh, I'll be sitting out in 40-degree weather as baseball kicks off from Dow Diamond. No, uh, super excited no, for that. You're, you're way too optimistic. Oh, no. I guarantee you I will be incredibly excited. I don't care if it's 20 degrees. No, you're way too going, optimistic about 40 degrees. It is not that going is to be 40 point. degrees. That is a fair point. It's going to be colder than that. You and remember two years ago ready. when the Loons had the walk-off in extra innings on opening day? I can't remember the shortstop's name. He was out of Virginia Tech. I remember that. can't remember his name, but he had the, the walk-off on opening day, and it was like a 13-inning game. You remember that? Oh, yeah. No, I remember. And I've, I've been to a lot of those opening days, and it gets incredibly cold. But I tell you what, I'm out there several hours before the game starts. I am there right when the parking lot opens. I'll be standing out there. It'll be an hour or two before they open up the gates, but we'll be out there out there tailgating, waiting for Loons baseball to start. But I know Dodgers fans are ready for Dodgers baseball to start. Spring training is coming up. February 9th is when pitchers and catchers report. And then the Dodgers spring training will start soon after that. I know Dodgers fans can't be more excited to get this season started. 2024 is going to be special. We've talked about the lineup. I think the starting rotation has pretty much cleared itself up in terms of if everybody's healthy, here's who the guys are going to be. I think probably the 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 group of players on this team that, that have the most amount of gray area would be the bullpen. So, Austin, take us through some of the bullpen names. Who might the closer be? And then we'll, later on, we'll get into some of the moves the Dodgers could make if they don't like who their closer would be if they don't go closer by committee. So take us through our bullpen, our bullpen pieces, the roles that you see for them, some of their numbers and all that. Yeah, no, this bullpen is very intriguing as far as how it's going to react this upcoming season. Just going back to last year, let's do a little bit of review. Early in the season, the Dodgers bullpen really struggled early in the season. They were one of the worst units in baseball. But after at around June, right around when it started to hit summer, right around when it's, they added Ryan Brazier, they really started to be, form as a unit. And they became one of the strengths of the Dodgers going down the stretch. And so the bullpen, keep in mind, it's going to help maintain leads that this Dodgers lineup is going to create. So we want to take a little bit of a minute to look at each one of these individuals' arms to see what type of roles we could see them have. Just going off of fan graphs right now, going through some of the arms that they have currently projected for the bullpen. Again, 
all of this can change. There will be competition. There, I'm sure this bullpen will not be the iteration of the bullpen on opening day. But right now, the projected bullpen that they have, they do have Evan Phillips, who is currently projected to be the closer for the Dodgers. Towards the back end of the bullpen, you have Bruce Dargraderell, you have Joe Kelly, you have Caleb Ferguson, who right now is projected to be that high-leverage lefty bullpen arm. A couple of other bullpen pieces, you have Alex Vesia, the another lefty in the bullpen. You have Blake Trinan, J.P. Fireisen, and Ryan Yarbrough. That is the current projected bullpen according to Fangraphs. You have several different arms that will fight for roster spots right now. Daniel Hudson, who's coming back, he is signed to a minor league deal who could join the major league roster once a 40-man roster spot opens up and if he earns a spot on opening day. We talked a lot about these younger guys, Kyle Hurt. You could see maybe an Emmett Sheehan still in to avoid. Right now, they currently have five starting pitchers. There's a lot of moving pieces with this bullpen right now, and that's not in taking into account the Dodgers' potential want to go after a Ryan Brazier, to go after a Tanner Scott, an A.J. Puck, a Andrew Nardi, or whoever else to help with the bullpen. Right now, where the Dodgers' bullpen is as it is currently constructed, I'm sure there is a lot of question marks for Dodgers fans of how they can best utilize these guys. But it's also important to remember that bullpen is the most volatile position out of all positions groups in baseball. Some of these guys will have better years than they've had in the past. Some of these guys will have worse years than the, what they've had in the past. It's kind of hard to predict. And especially when you have some guys coming back from injury. You don't know how Blake Trine and J.P. Fireeyes and Daniel Hudson are going to react. Are they going to be the players that they once were? Um, how much can we expect out of Caleb Ferguson, Alex Vesia, Ryan Yarbrough? What sort of role is he going to play with a lot of these younger guys coming up? And do they prioritize Ryan Yarbrough's playing time over an Emmett Sheehan, over a Gavin Stone, over a Kyle Hurt? How do they maximize this bullpen and help it to be able to be the best bullpen it can be? And then do the Dodgers need to add additional pieces to this bullpen now? Or do they need to wait until the trade deadline, wait for some from reclamation-type projects to see if they can replicate the magic that they have had in the past so i'm sure we'll go to through each one of these individual names but overall those are a lot of thoughts about this los angeles dodgers bullpen there's some question marks there's some uncertainty but i think that's common with bullpens going from season to season and the dodgers have shown in the past that they can fix a bullpen even mid-season if necessary, this bullpen, there's a lot of really good, really talented arms, especially arms that can get right-handed hitters out. How are, how will this bullpen shape out through the rest of the season is very much a question mark right now. One of the questions we have in the chat already, we have a good chat logging in right now. Hey, if you, I know Friday nights are tough, but call all your friends. Tell them to get on over here to Dodgers Dogs. We, we want to talk bullpen, but mainly what we want to do is we want to talk to you. And we want to answer your questions and have a great talk about Dodgers baseball tonight. Showtime LA says Class A is the move. 
in my opinion. And good evening, gentlemen. So, Class A, give your initial thoughts on him. Yeah, Class A. We've talked about a lot. We've talked a lot about Emmanuel Class A. He is the current closer for the Cleveland Guardians. He's phenomenal. Let's just go out and say it. He is a really good, really solid closer for Cleveland. I. It is a very real question, especially as we get later and later into the offseason, as we get closer and closer to spring training whether Cleveland is even going to want to move on from an Emmanuel Class A. The American League Central is not the strongest division in baseball. It it is arguably the weakest division in all of baseball. So there's real room for competition for Cleveland to be able to compete in that division, which they won it in 2022. There is very good reason that they could win that division in 2024. There hasn't been a ton of moves throughout that division, especially from Minnesota, who won it this past season. So there's a real question mark as far as, far as whether Cleveland would even move on. And then you look at for how, how the contract is structured – And what that would cost for the Dodgers, he is currently has three years of control with two club options, I believe. So it could be up to total of five years of control for one of the best relievers in all of baseball. That is incredibly valuable. And especially for a contract that is right around 10, 12 million. You look at what Josh Hader got, and as he's aging into his later 30s, he's getting close to $20 million per year. Emmanuel Classe is going to be earning about 12 or so as he is entering the prime of his career, as he's entering age 26, 27, 28, 29, 30 years of age for control. Um, I think that is going to take an incredible haul for the Dodgers to get Emmanuel Classe. Would he be the ideal candidate perhaps and he probably would be the best closer that the Dodgers could get and one thing I do like about class a is he's actually really good at getting left-handed hitters out and so if you're talking about some concerns with the Dodgers bullpen about getting mostly right-handed hitters out but question marks for left-handed hitters class a would go towards attacking those left-handed hitters really well I don't know if the Dodgers, and I don't expect the Dodgers to meet the price point for Cleveland to get an Emmanuel Class A because it's going to take a giant haul of prospects similar to the prospect haul that it would take to get a Jesus Lazardo type trade. Not saying it's going to cost quite as much. You could work on negotiations. But to get Cleveland the prospect haul that they want for Emmanuel Class A, it's going to take a lot, and I don't even know if Cleveland wants to, during this offseason, when they're still in the view of competition, trade Class A. So that would be a probably not deal for the Dodgers, and I, I just don't envision that happening, especially during this offseason. If Cleveland, Cleveland goes out and struggles, and you're able to get a good deal on Class A, of course capitalize that on it. But for right now, I don't envision that happening. So another question we have here is, can Kyle Hurt become the closer? Yeah, Kyle Hurt is incredibly talented. Uh, I'm just going to go, we talked about Kyle Hurt, or at least I talked through a lot of the numbers this past season uh, that he had in 2023 on the show that we released yesterday, the Dodgers 11 through 20 prospects. 
and just some of his numbers are unreal, particularly his strikeout percentage. If you combine his double A and triple A numbers in 92 innings, he struck out 39.2% of hitters. That's unreal. That is sixth in all of minor league baseball with those 50 or more innings. That's second in minor league baseball with those with 60 or more innings. And that's first with those 65 or more innings. And that second place with 60 or more innings, first place was Emmett Sheehan. So the Dodgers are loaded with guys that can strike batters out. And Kyle Hurt, if he's able to repeat his deliveries, he is able to maintain that control. And if he's given opportunities to struggle, to work through big league hitters, given sustained running time, I think that is when Kyle Hurt can turn into the best big league player he can be. And that's when he can turn into a late inning closer. The Dodgers are going to have to prioritize innings for Kyle Hurt, and they're going to have to prioritize innings through long portions of the season. Not here's an inning, go back to Oklahoma City. Here's a couple of innings, go back to Oklahoma City. Give him a month or two to work through big league hitters and strike guys out. We saw the upside that he had in Dodger Stadium. We've He's been showcasing that, especially this past season at the minor league level. If he's given that sustained running time, I have no doubt that Kyle Hurt can become an elite back end of the bullpen arm for the Dodgers. The Dodgers just have to give Kyle Hurt that opportunity to prove himself. And then Kyle Hurt's going to have to repeat his mechanics and just go out there and shove. Yep, no doubt. Kyle Hurt is certainly capable of doing that. And we have a wonderful lobby already showing up and some great questions. So let's dive right into them. Mainly, hey, yeah, like I said, we're going to talk bullpen. We're going to talk starting rotation. We're going to talk closer. We're going to talk some of the trades we can make. But mainly, we want to have a great chat tonight and talk Dodgers baseball. So get everybody over here. Let's get it going. We have a lot of people logging in as we speak. So as we look at this lobby, I want to say good evening to Daniel Berry Sports Highlight. Thank you so much for joining. Denard, I always love it when Denard checks in from the great state of Texas, where everything's bigger and better. No doubt about that. I love the state of Texas. A lot of family there. It is a wonderful place. Gregory, hey, thank you so much for joining tonight. It is Friday night in the big town, and we're talking Dodgers baseball. Austin Brubaker with the best show flow in the biz, and yours personally, Casey Porter. You're never going to hear the end of that, Austin. Never never going to hear the end of that. Gregory, good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Back to you, Gregory. Thank you so much for joining. Denard, can Kyle Hurt be a young closer similar to Jonathan Broxton? We covered that. Do you see any similarities, though, to Jonathan Broxton? With Kyle Hurt. Yeah, I, I I have to go back and look at some of Jonathan Broxton's numbers, but Kyle Hurt, obviously there's little different things that each one of these guys have. I think with Kyle Hurt, he's just shown the ability just to strike guys out at a level that for a lot of pitchers, you haven't seen a lot of pitchers be able to dominate to this level of success. And that brings a lot of excitement because he was doing that a lot of times in the starting pitcher role. So if he's able to shove at the starting pitcher role, what more could he do if he's maximizing out 
during a one inning outing in a closed type situation. Could he raise that strikeout rate anymore? I talked about it on the show yesterday that premiered Ronan Kopp, his strikeout percentage jumped once he moved to the bullpen, even more than the 33, 34% that it currently was. It jumped up to 40%. Could we see with Kyle Hurt if he's in short inning outings, which I'm not limiting him to short inning bullpen outings, but if that's the role that he's going to get for the Dodgers, could we see him continue to even improve on the strikeout rate anymore and become at an elite level beyond of which a lot of these other Dodgers pitchers are at? I think that is possible for Kyle Hurt, and that is the excitement of the upside that we see for Kyle. And I couldn't be more excited about what he can and what he will do for the Dodgers. Yeah, and Tanner Scott's a name that we brought up several different times. We love Tanner Scott. We lumped him in together with Jesus Lazardo, a good left-handed high-leverage reliever option in your pen. Let me show you an in-house option left-handed, a couple of them, actually, as we go through this. First of all, Austin, we have a question. What are the chances that the Dodgers go out and get Tanner Scott? They definitely have the prospect capital to do so, which, but what are the chances that happens? That's from Tommy Clayfax. Tommy, thank you so much for joining. This is Alec Gamboa, yeah. by the way, young man who reached 99. He is a huge Dodgers fan, loves being a Dodger. He was in AAA last year, made a bunch of adjustments. Former starting pitcher, tough as hell. He was a three, three-time three state placer in wrestling. He's one of the best athletes ever to come out of the Central Valley. So, Alec Gamboa, if you don't go get a Tanner Scott – you have Alec Gamboa. We're also going to talk a little bit about John Rooney and then maybe some Ronan Cobb. So first of all, Tanner Scott, and then talk about the in-house options. Yeah, so Tanner Scott is the most obvious trade candidate out of the bullpen that the Dodgers could go out and pursue. He's left-handed. He's one of the back-end, high-leverage lefty relievers for the Miami Marlins. The Marlins have indicated that they might be willing to move on from some of their options, which goes to the idea that the Dodgers could pursue a Tanner Scott. Tanner Scott is phenomenal. This past season, uh, He, you just look at his baseball savant. It is all red from 2023. Um, he, I mean, 231 ERA, 217 FIP, 266 Sierra, all things that the Dodgers could use. And with Tanner Scott, the reason why the Dodgers might be interested in him is the Dodgers might not be willing or might not trust completely a Caleb Ferguson or an Alex Vesia or a Ryan Yarbrough out of the bullpen. They might want a more reliable left-handed reliever. They didn't want to pay $20 million a year for Josh Hader. So why not go for a trade route with Tanner Scott, who only has one year of control left, which means he's not going to take the enormous haul that an Emmanuel Class A-type pitcher might take. So with Tanner Scott, he is a perfect trade candidate for the Dodgers. Will that happen? That is a very good question. If I was the Dodgers, I would be, yep. and I'm assuming that they have reached out as far as the asking price for Tanner Scott. I'm sure other teams are highly interested in Tanner as well. So will it happen? I don't know, and nobody knows will, will it happen. I think there's a good chance it happens because he fills a need or I should say a desire for the Dodgers if they want to improve the back end of the bullpen and get a good high leverage lefty reliever. 
he is the guy to go after. So I think if they're going to trade for a bullpen piece, he is the most likely candidate for them to pursue. But as you mentioned, there are good, solid options. Is he worth the opportunity to- cost of Alec Gamboa and John Rooney? That would be the question for me. That, I'm not that convinced of that at this question. moment. I would rather see Gamboa, I think, and Rooney at least at the beginning of the year get their major league debuts, get a chance to show what they can do. Then you can go get Tanner Scott at the trade deadline maybe. But I, I yeah. don't know. I, the opportunity cost, I think, for Elegant Boa, John Rooney, Ricky Venasco, guys like that, I'm not quite sure at this moment it would be worth it. That's a good conversation yeah, so, to have, though. Yeah, no, that's a really good conversation to have because Alec Gamboa, John Rooney. This is Rooney uh, right here, Vinasco, by the way. You just saw Alec Gamboa. Yeah. Gus Farland, Ricky Venasco, John Rooney, Alec Gamboa all really good, really solid relief pitchers who are looking for opportunities for the Dodgers. A lot of these guys throw gas. They are absolutely nasty. And there's a reason why the Dodgers highly prioritize all of these guys. The question with the opportunity cost with going out and getting a Tanner Scott now as opposed to later is the question, will Tanner Scott even be there later at the trade deadline for the Dodgers to pursue? Will the Marlins be in competition mode, in which case they won't trade a Tanner Scott? I don't know. They made the playoffs this past season, so it's totally possible. Will other teams pursue Tanner Scott this offseason or early in the season as well? I don't know the question for that. And I, if you look at the upside with Tanner Scott, he's one of the best left-handed relievers in the game of baseball. So I think if you go after a Tanner Scott, it would be totally worth it because he has proven at least from last season to be one of the best left-handed relievers in the game of baseball. There is some learning curves that it takes to go to the big league level. So I think Alec Gamboa, John Rooney, Ricky Venasco, Gus Barlin can all get to that level at some point. For the Dodgers in 2024, where when it is World Series, it is about winning a World Series. I think getting the best reliever that you can would be worth the opportunity cost in this instant. I still want to see Alec Gambola, John Rooney, Ricky Venasco, Gus Farland get opportunities at the big league level. And if you want to take that risk of waiting to the trade deadline, maybe Tanner Scott was just a one-year wonder. And maybe you want to find a different, solid, good relief pitcher to go after. I think that is a totally fair and valid point. But I also think given what Tanner Scott was able to do this past season, he might be worth the opportunity cost because you're getting a high leverage relief pitcher. You can bounce Evan Phillips and Tanner Scott in the closer position back and forth, depending on the matchups, depending on who's rested. So there's a lot to like about getting a Tanner Scott, but there's also a lot to like about Alec Gamboa, John Rooney, Ricky Venasco, Gus Varland, and the rest of these young pitchers who need to see opportunities at the big league level. And Kyle Hurt. I think Kyle Hurt is out of everybody there. I think he is your, your, your biggest closer candidate because I think the starting rotation is probably pretty well set. Kyle Hurt needs to pitch high leverage innings. And so I think he would be the guy that would be the most likely to be. So the opportunity cost for Tanner Scott, I think, would bring Kyle Hurt into the equation. And I am not about at all bringing anybody in that's going to take innings away from Kyle Hurt. 
If there's anybody that's going to take any innings away from Kyle Hurd at this point, I'm out. I'm out. I, I think that I think that is a totally fair and valid point. So then it comes down to a really interesting discussion about this Dodgers bullpen right now because there's a lot of guys that are penciled into this bullpen that don't have a lot of minor league options. You look at this bullpen. Let's go through some of the names right now. Evan Phillips doesn't have any minor league options. Bruce Dar Gratterall has two. You're not going to send Bruce Dar Gratterall to AAA Oklahoma City unless things go really wrong with Gratterall, which I do not anticipate that to happen. Ferguson doesn't have any. Kelly doesn't have any. Blake Trinan doesn't have any. Ryan Yarbrough doesn't have any. You have Alex Vesia and J.P. Fireisen as the two guys penciled in to this bullpen that have minor league options. So you could envision a scenario with competition breaking out in spring training. Let's say Kyle Hurt absolutely dominates in spring training, as we know that he can do. And the Dodgers are looking at this, and we have to put Kyle Hurt into this bullpen. Could a move go down where you decide, man, one of these guys, either a Blake Trinan and a J.P. Fireisen, or even a Ryan Yarbrough-type piece, Maybe those are the guys that we need to make expendable because they don't have a lot of minor league options and we want to provide flexibility the for our bullpen. Effect. So then we can call guys up, send guys down, and create a little bit more flexibility with that bullpen. I think there could be opportunities there. With the Tanner Scott, he's a very good high-leverage lefty reliever and could be the closer-ish lefty-type piece the Dodgers need to where maybe the opportunity cost doesn't come from a Kyle Hurt in this scenario. Oh, maybe it's going it to. From if a, you get Tanner it, Scott, Kyle Hurt's going to lose innings. There's no there's no way around it. I don't care about he, the right-left. Just do math. I mean, at that point, the math, there's no way to get around the math that Kyle Hurt's going to lose innings. You added, you, added, you added at the end with Paxton. Now, if you add another closer, those are the two roles that, that Kyle Hurt could potentially pitch in. You have definitely taken innings away from Kyle Hurt at that point. But what if they envision him, or at least to get started, more of a mid-inning relief? What if Tanner Scott takes it's still the spot? Math. More it's of still math. You're Vesia. still taking innings away from. You're still you're still adding innings to the bullpen from people. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that, and this goes down to. A lot of the. I very guess what you're saying arguments. is that you would put Kyle Hurt on the rotation instead of Caleb Ferguson, Alex Vesia, Joe. I mean, they're not going to do that. They're they're just not going to do that. Those guys are going to be on the roster unless I mean they wouldn't have JP Fireisen, those kind of guys. So those guys aren't going to get replaced. And so if you add another guy, I just don't see any way that Kyle Hurts loses innings. That that's kind of where I'm at on that. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's a totally fair and valid point. My point that I'm trying to make is I could see if the Dodgers we like we know that they like to have a little bit of flexibility yeah. with their roster. They could make a move with one of the veterans that they have available. Alex Vesia does have an option, so you could swap a Tanner Scott and Alex Vesia, and then one of the bullpen pieces that doesn't have an option. That's when you could potentially see a I Kyle Hurt slid into there because those guys don't have options. I they see. like Kyle Hurt, who has minor league options. That's where you could envision some sort of move. So 
a Blake Trinan, if he comes out and he struggles in spring training, if he doesn't show that he is the same pitcher that he was, perhaps that is the opportunity that we see. So Tanner Scott is phenomenal. I would still go after him. I would also look to add Kyle Hurt to this bullpen because I think those two guys are two of the better relief pitchers, two of the best relief pitchers that you would have in this bullpen. I think there are unique ways that you can go about making this bullpen work and making sure Kyle Hurt gets the innings. Dodgers are going to have to be creative no matter what of getting these guys innings and make sure that these younger guys get production at the big league level and get experience because they desperately need it. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, it would be Tanner Scott. So Tanner Scott would be replacing Alex Vesey or Caleb Ferguson. Yes. And what I'm saying is I don't think the Dodgers would remove Caleb Ferguson or Alex Vesey. But you're saying that's possible because Vesey has options. And he that's has left for one minor swap. league option, yes. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, and, and I also don't know, because if you add Tanner Scott to this bullpen, let's say that he re- he goes into this bullpen and replaces a Blake Trinan, you would have four lefty relievers in this rotation. Are the Dodgers going to want to have four lefty relievers, or would they want to have three and then have the rest of them be right-handed pitchers? And so then it could be, could it be a Ryan Yarbrough that doesn't that find some find his way out of LA. These are a lot of interesting yeah. questions. I don't know all the answers. They're going to be creative and they're going to try to find the way to put the best relievers in their bullpen. And I think they understand the talent and the gold mine that they're sitting on, especially with a guy like Kyle Hurt, where they want to take advantage. Man, if he could become a late inning strikeout reliever and you have him under control for six years, that is as you're having him for the amount of control that an Emmanuel Class A type piece has without giving up any prospects so i think they need to give kyle hurt his innings um and i would prioritize those innings over some of the veterans depending on how things go in spring training. I, I see where you're going um and and i think that is where you can see opportunities arise not just for him but if for long relief if ryan yarborough struggles Perhaps that's when that piece moves to a Gavin Stone and Nick Frasso for more of a long inning fill in type starter pitcher. Uh, there are a lot of different ways this bullpen can go, but I think we should uh, probably get back to a couple more comments because we were kind of stuck on that one for quite a while. Yeah, this is Ronan Cop, and the next comment is a power left handed late inning pitcher who could mix and match with Phillips in the eighth or ninth. This is a ways away, not going to happen probably next year. I think he's ready to ETA, but there's just so many people in front of him. This is your next left-handed, just like long, tall power arm. Now, Alec Gamboa has reached 99, but he's more of your 95, 96. He's more of your typical lefty that's going to pitch. He's going to throw the slider, the changeup, that kind of thing. You're looking at Ronan Cobb. He finished great at high Great Lakes in the pen last year. He has hit over 100 in bullpens, hasn't done it in a game yet. So when you're looking at power, lefty arms in the pin, this is one of the guys that you're looking at. John Rooney's more of your your east to west type lefty that 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 cuts the ball a little bit on a cutter. He'll turn it over on a two seam, and then he'll drop a changeup every now and, and go north north and south every now and then. But Ronan Cop is your prototypical classic power pitcher that you're seeing here. Now, is he going to be ready for 2024? 
I think the Dodgers are going to have a difficult enough time getting their guys that in, uh, in positions that are already on the 40-man roster enough innings. So I would say probably not, but don't count this guy out. I'm just telling you, there, there, there's been weirder situations that could happen. And when you have a guy like him that could show up to spring training and hit 100, 101 in his bullpens and be left-handed and then throw live BP to Mookie Betts and then Shohei Otani and Freddie Freeman and Will Smith, and they all come back going, hey, Dave, put this sucker on the roster, man. This dude's awesome. I can't hit this guy, right? There is that aspect to it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's going to happen next year. But I do think he's a lot closer, Ronan Cop is, than people think. So Marv says, I say that because Marv says a power left-handed late-inning pitcher who could mix and match with Phillips in the 8th and ninth, like Scott and Puck in Miami. I like where you're headed here. I'm all about what you're saying, Austin. I like Tanner Scott if it's not in replace of Kyle Hurt. I like Tanner Scott, A.J. Puck, as long as it is in, replace, in replacement of one of the lefties that we already have on the 40-man and not Kyle Hurt, not Emmett Sheehan. Not Michael Grove, not those guys. I don't want I don't want that guy to take the innings from those people. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Right. And with Tanner yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Now going to Ronan Cop, I got a chance to see him all of this past season in Great Lakes. Probably saw good half of his appearances in person. Got to meet his family, which his folks are incredibly yeah, awesome. Tom's Ronan good, Cop, dude, isn't he? Oh yeah, no, they're all really good. Uh, yeah, Ronan is unreal. This kid is going to be special for the Dodgers. Big, tall, 6'7", lefty, gets a ton of extension, and you add that with the velocity. You add that with the stuff. Um, hitters just couldn't hit it in the Midwest League, and I know that's Midwest League, but I think this stuff is going to translate just watching him pitch just watching the electricity come out of his arm, the velocity, the movement. He was walking quite a bit, when, but when you're striking out that many hitters, you can live with some of that, Which and that also means ball isn't getting put in play. Yeah. He gets to control his own destiny in getting hitters out. Ronan Cop, if he continue, continues with this progression, if he runs away in Tulsa at the beginning of the season, just strikes out the world yep. and is able to limit some of the walks. You could see him move up to Oklahoma City mm -hmm. really soon. And we've seen guys move up from Tulsa at the beginning of the season to L.A. really quickly. We saw that with several guys. We saw that with an Emma Sheehan type this past season. We've seen that in the past. Ronan Cop, he is very close to being ready he just has to prove it in double a and as you like to say once you prove it in double a you're good enough to be a major league player just enough. about opportunities yes when you prove it in double a you proved you have the talent to be a major leaguer yes. then the next step is go to triple a prove that you have enough skill to be a major leaguer right because yes. i'm telling you man you go to triple a and you're facing matt Beatty and matt davidson and guys like that that are 31 years old and they're trying to get that one last shot in the major leagues, right? Those are major league hitters. And they have major league strike zones. And if you throw it two inches off the plate, they don't swing. And if you miss your spot by two inches and it gets two inches more of the plate than you should have, then Matt Davidson hits it back to the moon. So 
It's the skill aspect of it in AAA. It's the talent aspect of it in AA. So the next step when he comes up to Tulsa, very exciting. We're going to see if Ronan Kopp has enough talent to be a major leaguer. I don't think there's going to be any doubt about it. But again, hey, we're going to stick with it. That's our theme. And it is 100% a fact that you got to wait, cool your jets on people till you see them in double A, right? And then we're going to see if he has enough skill at that point. And so Ronan Cobb was a guy I just wanted to bring that out there, kind of an outside-the-box type of idea. But, man, is this dude absolutely electric. Oh, yeah, and seeing it from behind home plate on many occasions, seeing it from different angles, yeah, this guy is legit. The talent is there. He He's going to be something special. Still has to prove it at the upper levels of the minors, but once he's able to do that, watch out. He could be a high-leverage, lefty, relief, bull, bullpen, almost closer-type piece for the Dodgers if he's able to put in that role. Uh, Dodgers got something special in Roman Cobb. They do. Another guy, another lefty before we get on to our next question and I'm going to bring this guy up and he strikes out the world. Gotta keep the ball in the strike zone. I mean, I don't think that's being negative. I think that's just being real. That is Ben Harris. This guy's very close. Now watch right. Okay, I want to show you Ben Harris as he kind of slingshots it from the side. Watch as he separates I'm going to back that up if I can get this just right, right there. See that position right there, Austin? Guess what a lefty can't do at that point with that baseball? He can't see it. See, so his chest is almost entirely squared up. Even when he gets his chest entirely squared up to home plate, hitters can't see this ball. So there's two things. Now look at this extension. That's a really good extension. Now look how low he's able to get. Look how athletic he's able to get. Let me back this up just a touch, and I want to show you right now. it. Okay, let me get to the next pitch, and we'll get to it right there. Okay, so he, 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 he delivered the ball right here. Let me back it up just a little bit, and actually I didn't stop it where I wanted to. Right. Okay, see, again, look at this ball here, still hidden. Okay, his chest, this is exactly where I wanted to get to. I got lucky. See how his chest is squared up to home plate? This is when, as a hitter, you're trying to identify what type of pitch it is. So, in essence, think of it, if you see palm, then you know it's either going to be a fast, it's going to be a fastball or a changeup. That's why the changeup's the best pitch in baseball, because when a hitter sees palm, they see fastball, and there's nothing to be able to differentiate that and a changeup. So, it looks like fastball coming out of the hand, then all of a sudden it's 10, 11 miles an hour slower, and it's tumbling. So, if you see the back of the hand, then you know it's going to be some type of curveball that's going to have downward movement to it. If you see the side of the hand, that's going to be some type of horizontal moving pitch. The problem with guys like Ben Harris is you don't get that window to see that type of stuff as a hitter. So you don't get to see, hey, is am I seeing the back of his hand? Am I seeing the side of his hand? Am I seeing the palm? Because by the time he releases, you don't ever see it. And it's halfway to home plate. See how that hitter right there was totally fooled. And so, Ben Harris doesn't throw the ball 500 miles an hour. John Rooney doesn't throw the ball. See how he hit that ball right there? They don't throw the ball 500 right there. See, that's still hitting. They don't throw the ball 500 miles an hour. But because you don't pick up the the, the ball, it looks faster to a hitter. And then also, 
there is no way to pick up spin, so you get a lot of swings like that. You get guys that are fooled on speed. You get guys that are fooled on location, and it's just very, very, very difficult to hit. So Ben Harris is another guy that's at the double-A level. If he can throw strikes, that's a big if because that's been his issue. Like, again, I don't think that's negative. This is a guy also that will be a high-leverage lefty for the Dodgers because he strikes everybody out. 2022, Gavin Stone was the best pitcher in minor league baseball. 2022, Ben Harris was probably the best relief pitcher in all of minor league baseball. There's an article on Fangrass by David Loria who did, talked about how effective Ben Harris was. He was striking out 45% of hitters in Rancho and in Great Lakes. He was absolutely dominant coming out of the bullpen from the left side. And if he's able to main, regain some of that control, if he's able to throw strikes, which he struggled a little bit in Tulsa this past season, if he's able to fix that aspect of his game, he's going to be striking batters out because batters just don't see the baseball. And when you don't see the baseball, you're not going to have very good swings Look at, that. at the ball. So <laughs> Ben Harris is going to be, if he can throw sh enough strikes, a very effective high leverage left-handed bullpen piece where you can turn around early in the season. If he throws strikes and realize who is this guy? Yeah. This guy has been around. We've known about this guy for a little bit and we've seen the upside. The upside is what he can do in 2022 when he was striking out 5% more hitters than Kyle hurt was this past season. Right. Ben Harris is phenomenal. It's about throwing strikes. If he can do that, He's going to strike out a lot of hitters, and you could be looking up, and all of a sudden the Dodgers have a left-handed bullpen piece named Ben Harris, and he's striking out major league hitters. No doubt. Now, look at this position right here. See how his chest is almost all the way barreled up to the catcher? And that ball is still behind his head, and look at the lower half of his body. I mean, that back knee is just about drug on the ground, and the ball is still behind his head. I'm telling you as a hitter, man, you're like, I, I don't know what the hell's getting ready to happen, man. It is like a slingshot. Now watch as he delivers. I mean, seriously, like it's a hitter. It just looks like the, the pitcher just has a slingshot and it's just slingshotting the ball home at, to home plate at you. So again, those types of mechanics, they do lead to hiding the ball, but similar to Jackson Ferris, we talked about him. He does very similar type things with his, his delivery and motion to home plate. As much as that hides the ball, it also creates that slingshot effect. And that's also why it's harder to control the baseball. So Ben Harris wanted to cover him and wanted to kind of cover some of the ability that he has. Look for Ben Harris. I can't defend the fact that he does not get the ball in the strike zone consistently enough at this point. Again, say it one more time. I think that's the third time I've said it. I don't think that's negative. I think that's very fair. Because, again, Austin, I'm going to say it one more time. We This has been our theme Ben Harris is at the double-A level, right? So now you, 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 at the double-A level, you stop, you stop thinking about, okay, what kind of tools and upside does he have? Now you start evaluating him based on, okay, is he a major leaguer, right? So you have to take that next step in your evaluation of guys, and you, and you graduate from tools and the kid glove type thing into, okay, we – we need to really get serious about whether this guy can actually be – can you trust this guy 
in a major league bullpen. And so when I say that Ben Harris needs to get better command of the baseball, I'm coming at it from that perspective. And again, it's not negative. It's just a simple fact and an evaluation of, I want this guy to be a major leaguer, and that's what he needs to do, in my opinion, to make that happen. Does that Did that make any sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Ben Harris, watch out for him. He could surprise a lot of Dodgers fans this upcoming season, especially if he's able to throw strikes and showcase the talent that is in there in that arm. And we're going to now get to some comments here. We we like to get long-winded, but that's okay. We love talking Dodgers baseball, and hopefully people like listening to us talk about it. And we had a great conversation. So some high-leverage lefties that we've talked about, Tanner Scott, and I wanted to kind of show you some of the guys that you have coming in-house before we moved on to some more of the chat that we have here. The Dodgers being up. This is from Cole. Cole, thank you so much for joining the Dodgers being up eight runs by the sixth inning will take all the pressure off the bullpen. Let's score some runs, boys. Right? Hey, that's a great yeah. that's a great philosophy, isn't it? Yeah, that's a that's a very easy way to provide a lot of low leverage innings for your bullpen pieces, and just scoring eight or more runs or being up by eight or more runs is a good recipe to win a lot of games. So yeah, let's just keep scoring yeah. runs, and a lot of these problems will take care of itself. We are not huge on top 100 prospects list and all that because, first of all, how do you compare a right fielder to a catcher? You know, I mean, how do you compare one guy from one org to the other? How do you compare an 18-year-old to a 25? Just because the guy's 25, he's not you know, that kind of deal. There's just so many of those factors that, that make it really very inaccurate to, to be able to actually say, well, this guy's actually better than that guy. And he's. But having said that, they're fun. And they're, and they're great for the, uh, any kind of recognition these guys can get. We love it. So we love it from all those perspectives. But as Showtime would say here, are you surprised, Austin, that there are only two Dodgers prospects in the MLB Pipeline Top 100? I was a little surprised by the Dodgers only having two representatives on the top 100. It gets very difficult, especially looking at other organizations and seeing the level of talent that they have and comparing it, especially across different positions. We're not super high on these top 100, not because they don't give recognition to these players. We absolutely love that. We just find it difficult to do these different rankings. Having said that, Casey and I have spent a lot of time watching these guys and watching these guys develop. I think Dalton Rushing and Nick Frasua, who I believe were the two representatives, also shout out Michael Bush, now part of the Chicago Cubs organization, was part of the Dodgers organization, was number 51, I believe, on that list. So the Dodgers have shown at their minor league level that they have a lot of talent. I don't think it is fair to say Dodgers only have two representatives. There's towards the back half of the top 100. Their system must not be very good. Watch this system. Watch these guys play and develop, and we'll look at all the talent that this has. Watch this the radar has. guns versus the teams watch they the, play. Watch, it's it's yeah, substantially watch the radar. different. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and look at – I was doing a little bit of research uh, into this, and the Dodgers consistently are one of the best teams – in minor league baseball at striking opposing hitters out. I believe they were 
third behind New York and San Francisco over the past three seasons in their minor league system, Rancho, Great Lakes, Tulsa, and Oklahoma City, at striking hitters out. And they are still developing guys at the minor league level. So is it a concern that they only have two guys at the top 100? I would be concerned maybe a little bit looking at it from the outset, but knowing this system and knowing watching these guys play baseball and knowing the upside that these guys have, I'm not concerned about that at at all because I know the level of talent that the Dodgers have. Sure, other organizations might have a lot of talent as well, which is I'm glad that MLB is showcasing that talent as well as some of the Dodgers' talent. I am very confident in the guys in the system and their ability and in the coaching and development teams to be able to maximize these guys' talents more than other organizations are able to maximize some of the talents that they have in their system. I think that is a really key, important aspect. And you also talk about there was a lot of guys that came up who graduated from a lot of these lists or who had recently debuted this past season, either for the Dodgers or had just recently moved on to other organizations like a Yorbit Vivas or Eddie's Leonard, who would still be eligible, but still really talented. This Dodgers system is still flooded with talent. We're just getting, we just try to hope to provide a little bit of insight into that talent. And we cover all of the prospects in this system and let you guys decide whether you think these this Dodgers system is supremely talented or not. I would say the best way to put it is it's disappointing, definitely disappointing because you don't get the recognition that we think some of these guys have. Not concerning at all because it's not accurate. I mean, there's no there's no system of accurate. Just trust me on that. You're going to see my my interview with Tom Kunis coming out next week. Area scout for the Dodgers that signed James Altman who was a seventh-round draft pick, and everybody is like, huh, what you see in Jan- – what are you seeing in this – right? And he's like, guys, I'm just telling you, this dude's going to be a stud, right? Okay, so it's not accurate. Top 100 prospect lists, they're not at – when you're – top 30 prospects list within a single organization is not accurate, okay? I mean, just look at the guys that the Dodgers lost in the Rule 5 with Gus Varlin and Ryan Noda, Jose Hernandez. They weren't even in those lists, right? Ricky Venasco. Mm-hmm. They signed him to a major league contract this year. Nowhere close to that list. Okay, Austin Gothier, who was the best offensive player in all the minor leagues for the Dodgers last year, barely stuck in at number 30 because they had to put him in there, right? I mean, yeah. so, yeah, I would say disappointing, not concerning from that perspective. I will, I will also add one element. There could be an aspect of of bias into these lists. The Dodgers consistently draft towards the back end of the draft. And typically when these lists are put together, especially for guys who were just recently drafted, you're going off of the lists that were created for draft lists. So some of the highly drafted players are put on these lists because they've analyzed them and they haven't seen a lot of big league action. And so I think there is initial aspect of bias, especially with some of these players, because you want to go based on what you've seen and you've only seen limited amount of action. The Dodgers had draft towards the back end 
of the draft. So they typically don't get a lot of draft guys put into these lists as yep. some of these guys are. I think if you wait for the level of production these Dodgers players have and you surround them by the best coaches in minor league baseball, I think the Dodgers do the best at maximizing the development of their hitters, of their pitchers, which if you go to Baseball America, they released an article not too long ago where people around baseball say the Dodgers are one of the best at developing pitchers and hitters. So with these lists, with these top 100 lists, I I would definitely say it's disappointing because I want to see more of these guys get recognition, but trust the development process and trust this Dodgers organization to produce the best players. They have a track record in history of producing major league players. You just hope that there's opportunity available for these big league players to showcase that talent. Because if there is opportunity, a lot more of these guys are going to be put into top 100 lists because they, or because the people who make these lists are going to respect what the Dodgers do. Uh, I think there is still a lot of talent in this organization, no matter what any sort of list says. Go out and prove it on the field, which the Dodgers and their prospects have. No doubt. It's an organization that is filled full of really – like, here, here's a guy right here. Let me give you an example. Nowhere even – I don't think he was in the top 30 list. Damon Keith, 115-mile-hour single. I mean, this guy is super, super, super talented. We're going to watch a little bit of him, of him as well. The Dodgers have guys like that up and down the list that are just simply fantastic. Larry Partridge says, not everyone is comfortable pitching the ninth inning. Get that last out. A lights-out closer will make everybody else better. I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I would say, though, that I think Evan Phillips can be that guy. I think Joe Kelly's a good setup guy. Bruzdar Gratterall's a good setup guy. I think Daniel Hudson, maybe Blake Trinan. Kyle Hurt could be that good set. Kyle Hurt could anywhere be from anywhere a good setup guy to being that actual closer that you're talking about that makes everybody else better. So I think there are ways in-house that you could actually get that same effect that Larry's talking about. Cole yeah, says... Yeah, I, w- I was just going to mention a point. I think it's totally fair to say there seems to be something different about the ninth inning as opposed to the seventh, eighth inning, no matter who's coming up to bat. I think the Dodgers want to leverage, if they could, Evan Phillips to go into situations where you're getting the best hitters out, which doesn't always happen in the ninth inning. I would be comfortable, and I think the Dodgers are comfortable with an Evan Phillips pitching a lot in the closer position, p- pitching a lot in the ninth inning. And I think they're going to give him and other pitchers opportunities to close games, at least early in the season, because I don't think the Dodgers are willing to go out and trade a huge haul to get a closer. I don't think they're comfortable going out and getting the roller coaster right now. That is a Kenley Jansen to get him just so he can be a closer and take away opportunities for some of these other guys with the Tanner Scott, if you go out and get him, you could see him pitching to close games. He was towards the back end and closed games for the Marlins. And do you want to give up a Dalton rushing, a Josue De Paula type to go get an Emmanuel Classe just so you go get a closer? I don't see envision the Dodgers are going to do that. I see Evan Phillips being that primary guy, maybe Tanner Scott if they get him as well. And then trying to fit, trying to fill in those ninth inning innings with a few other guys closing games, depending on matchups, which the Dodgers do a good job at matching up their pitchers 
with opposing players, hitters, and using the analytics to their advantage. Larry says he loves a committee up until the ninth and maybe the ninth if needed. Denard says with all the concerns in the starting pitching rotation, should the Dodgers go with a six-man rotation? Who fills the back end? I've said this for many, many, many uh, months now. I think there will be times during this season the Dodgers have a six-man rotation. You're looking at Josue DePaula, by the way. You mentioned him, and is, is he a guy that you're willing to give up for a Emmanuel Class A type guy? So take a look at him for a minute. Again, Josue DePaula. So I think I think they're going to have a six-man rotation at times, and then I think they're going to rotate who is that six-pitcher between Gavin Stone, Nick Frasso, Landon Knack, Kyle Hurt, maybe Michael Grove, maybe a Ryan Yarbrough. So I don't think it's going to be the same guy that is in that sixth spot every single time, and I don't think it's going to be a six-man rotation all year long every day. I think it's going to be a five-man rotation with times that it is a six-man rotation. Yeah, I think the Dodgers are going to be the strategic looking at the schedule and giving yep. certain rest days how they want to manage this rotation and make sure that they give Yamamoto appropriate rest time between his outings to get acclimated to the major league, the big league American uh, level. I think they want to give enough time and enough rest to give a Tyler Glass now make sure that he's ready to go in the postseason. They don't know what the plan is right now for a Walker Bueller. Could you wait to start him at the beginning of the season, which might open up a rotation spot at, at the beginning of the season back for an Emmett Sheehan. Uh, and you could see some starts right there. I think it's going to depend based off of the schedule and yep. off of the rest of each one of these pitchers. You could envision a scenario where they could go to a six-man rotation, but that only leaves seven arms in the bullpen to use. That limits Correct. your bullpen arms and availability. Well, you can't if do you it the whole time. A full six-man rotation makes it incredibly difficult unless you have length out of your bullpen arms to consistently use those arms. Unless you're doing the up-down yeah. train from well. Oklahoma City, which they can't do all season. So uh, I don't envision long stretches of time with this roster as currently constructed, unless they bring up guys that are long inning leverage piggyback type pitchers. I don't see a world where they're able to do a six man full time right now, but I think it's going to come in bits and pieces to make sure that their starting pitchers are fully rested and as healthy as they possibly can be. So I think you're going to see it sometimes, but not all the time. I just don't think people that think the Dodgers are going to go with the six-man have sat down and done the math. And here's what I'm trying to tell you. Triple-A Oklahoma City last year, this is your young pitchers. There was only one pitcher one time that went seven innings last year. You know who that was? Who was that? Landon Knack. That was it. Only one pitcher one time all year, all year at Triple-A Oklahoma City went seven innings. Okay, so do the math there. So your starters at the major league level, that is an or, and that is not because of the guys you have. This is Landon Knack here. You're getting ready to see. That's an organizational philosophy. So being an organizational philosophy, you, you heard during a linger talk, these guys are on, on pitching caps. Now you're taking a Yamamoto who, who's getting acclimated to the major leagues. 
You're taking an injury-plagued Tyler Glass now, an injury-plagued James Paxton. You're taking a rookie Bobby Miller. They're not going to be going into the seventh inning consistently. These guys are going to be closer to like going into the fifth inning, right? They're probably going to go five innings, maybe hopefully six. So you can't limit your bullpen like that by saying you have a six-man rotation all year long. You just can't do it because your starters are only going to be going five innings a game. And if you if you limit the amount of of bodies that you have in your bullpen, mathematically the innings don't add up. They just mathematically don't add up. So the yeah, six would- starter can only be at certain times of the year and strategically when you have certain guys available. Yeah, and that especially becomes more difficult if you have a lot of guys in your bullpen that go one inning exclusively. If you have a bunch of one inning exclusive, even if you don't, the math still adds up because even if they go two innings, they still have to wait three days instead of two. I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And and here's the yeah here's the point that I'm trying to make. Even if they go just one inning, let's say that you get five and six innings. To close out the game, you are using every single one of your seven exactly. pitchers every other day. Exactly. And that is not a recipe to have a healthy bullpen. So that becomes incredibly difficult. So with a six-man rotation, that only becomes available if you have yes. two, maybe three guys out of the bullpen that can provide length, that can provide piggyback type starts and what i mean by piggyback if you're not familiar with that term you have an opener or starter who might pitch four or five innings. the guy that came in after caleb ferguson when caleb ferguson would start and everybody's going why is caleb ferguson starting the game and he would go one inning that guy that came in for him and then pitched multiple innings that's a piggyback yes yeah and then you have a guy who pitches multiple innings out of the bullpen those type of players so i think if you have the person that type of personnel if you're dealing with some injuries in your bullpen and you need to call up some of your younger guys i think that's a possibility to have a six-man rotation only if there is length out of your bullpen and that's having length out of the bullpen just creates a little bit of versatility that you can have that allows you to have a six-man rotation with the roster limit at 13 pitchers at the major league level. Yep. Right now, I don't see it as feasible long-term from the Dodgers. It's just going to wear out your bullpen too much, and I don't see the Dodgers doing that with their guys, that the personnel that they have in the bullpen. They're going to be able to do it from time to time and call Landon Ack up, call Nick Frosso mm-hmm. up, and those guys either start a game or be a piggyback starter and it be as a sixth guy in a starting rotation. There's going to be times where they do that, but it can't just be the philosophy that we're going into this. This there, There's no way mathematically you can go into a, a season. I mean, don't you think if it was mathematically a good idea that teams would have been doing it 100 years ago? I mean, right? I mean, I Probably. know the teams Which, in, in, I, in, in the NPB are doing it and stuff like that, but. Yeah, and I think the Dodgers, and this goes to a question is, okay, what happens next year when, let's say, Otani is ready and he needs to go every sixth day, and then you have Yamamoto and maybe Roki Sasaki, and then you have to move to a six-man rotation next year? That's when you need guys that provide length out of the bullpen. So right now where the Dodgers are at, I don't think they're See, I'm at opposite that on you. point. I'm opposite. I think it could be a. Va- I think that could be an option for next season because I think Otani might require to have a six-man rotation next year. We saw that 
for the Angels when he was with the Angels. We saw a six-man rotation then. That's when you deal with the personnel and try to find people who can provide length out of the bullpen to make a six-man rotation work because having Otani, See, I'm having opposite Yamamoto, of you. I think you Sasaki have it backwards. Be in the rotation. I think you have it backwards. I think the only way a six-man rotation works is if you ask your starters to go at least seven innings. It, it, six-man rotations don't work if you're asking your bullpen to shoulder the load. The only way six-man rotations work is if you have a Yamamoto. The reason why it works in Japan is because Japanese pitchers, when they start a game, their goal is to go nine innings, right? Mm-hmm. So you're not even in if they go nine innings. So it's okay to only have seven bullpen guys on your team because your pitchers are the ones giving you the length. But if you're only asking your pitchers to go six innings, which is what the Dodgers do, they again, they didn't ask any pitcher to go seven innings at AAA last year. Only one of them did it one time. So if you're only asking your starters to go six, you can't go to a six-man like they do in the MPB because then your bullpen is having to cover those innings. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm the exact opposite with you on that, not, not to be argumentative. Yeah, I, I, but the I, only I, way I, six-man works, again, is if your starting pitchers are going seven innings plus. That's the only way it works. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right with that. And I think the Dodgers are going to find ways to provide a little bit more length. I think they're going to get this They're year not going to ask Yamamoto the starters to go accustomed. seven innings. I think we're going to get Yamamoto accustomed to the major league level this year. And then they might open it up a little bit more. But if you want to have Otani in the starting rotation... I think that is going to require a six-man rotation for the Dodgers because past history with the Angels indicated that he needed a six-man rotation. When you have a pitcher as talented as Otani, unless you want to move him to then a make him the piggyback. piece, which they could Don't make be him a starter. A make him the piggyback. Piece. They could make him a bullpen piece. They could make him a piggyback starter. But if you if you want him to be a starter, you're going to have to have a six man rotation, which means you are you're going to have to do two things. You're going to have to lengthen out some of your starting pitchers to cover some of the innings, and you're also going to need relief pitchers that can cover innings if necessary out of the pen. So you're going to need to have guys like a Ryan Yarbrough, guys like a Kyle Hurt or a Gavin Stone that ha- can provide length out of the bullpen right. to fill but it But it's still math. If your starters aren't going seven innings, it doesn't matter how many if, – if they're giving you length out of the bullpen. Then that every time they give you length, then that's an extra day they can't pitch. It's still math. The, again, the, and, unless your starters are going seven, the math is the exact same whether your bullpen's giving you length in a performance or just one at a time it's still math at that point so the only way that otani the only way a six inning deal would work with otani is if they skipped him every other time yeah i'd I'd have to do a little bit more research into how the angels were able to make it work so i know they at stretches had otani to be part of a six-man rotation and if the dodgers want him to be part of the rotation they might have to look into something similar to what the angels do so i'll do a little bit more research onto that this is a fascinating conversation we get into a lot of these don't we oh yeah absolutely i think it's time to get back to the comment section though yeah no doubt marv says tanner scott has highest valued fastball rating in baseball 80 grade fastball 
Yeah, Tanner Scott is, I mean, Tanner Scott is absolutely phenomenal yep. uh, with what he is able to do, and especially this past season with his development and just everything seemed to click for Tanner Scott and a lot of the lefty relievers out of the bullpen. Yeah, all of his pitch mix, which is a slider, it is a fastball. It's actually a little bit heavy slider, just a little bit more slider yep. than fastball, but still averaging 97 with the fastball coming from the left side. Uh, Tanner Scott is a really good pitcher, and the, the Dodgers, if they get a Tanner Scott, they are getting a really good high-leverage lefty, which you don't really have in a Caleb Ferguson or Alex Vesio, or at least Dodgers fans don't trust in a Caleb Ferguson and Alex Vesio. You just out there seeing River Ryan. He's not the one of those young arms that the Dodgers have as we plow through our comments here. How soon can Kyle Hurt be considered a sure pick for the opening day roster and is sure to be giving impact innings? Great question. Yeah, I, I, I think don't... that's going to come down to the wire whether he breaks with the major league club or not. I don't yeah, say that. It, I, I I say that as I don't agree with that. I just know in the way that the Dodgers do business, they prioritize veterans. I just I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, and it's go, going to go be, through the numbers. Go through the math. Who do you think is going to make the opening day roster? Yeah, I and that is that is a really good question right now, and um, I don't know because you look at fan graphs right now. Kyle Hurt is not part of the opening right. day That's what bullpen. I'm saying. It's a lot of guys who have major league experience who do not have minor league options. The thing that could be going against Kyle Hurt to start the season is he does have minor league options, which provide a little bit of flexibility, which could hurt in the development of Kyle Hurt because in order to give a Blake Trinan to keep him on the roster, he has to stay at the major league level. Otherwise, the Dodgers have to move on from a Blake Trinan. If you want to add Daniel Hudson to this roster, he's going to want to be added to the major league roster, even though he's not on the 40 man right now. There's other guys, Ryan Yarbrough, a Caleb Ferguson. All of these other guys do not have minor league options. That's going to make it difficult. And Kyle Hurt's going to have to overwhelm the Dodgers with his abilities to make it to where the Dodgers can't, uh, can't not have Kyle Hurt on their opening day roster and for him to be able to break camp. And he's going to have to be so overwhelmingly better than a lot of these veteran type players to where the Dodgers feel comfortable moving on, or he's going to have to outperform a guy like a JP fire Eisen who actually does have two options. So you could see maybe he can outduel a JP fire Eisen to earn a spot in the bullpen it is an uphill battle for kyle hurt that being said the level of talent that kyle hurt has is there to where you could see him outperforming some of these veteran pitchers and making it to where the dodgers have to put him on the opening day roster I, he's going to be on this big league club at some point whether that's through injury whether that is through the sheer amount of talent that kyle hurt has it is about when and opportunity and who the Dodgers prioritize or what do they prioritize? Do they prioritize have him having options and being able to send him down or do they want to prioritize his development at the big league level? Parker says Yarbrough seems to be the odd man out. Does Yarbrough have options left? He does not have any yeah, options. Yeah, so he will no. not be the odd man out. The odd man out would be Alex Vesia. 
because he could he has options to be sent down. So if you go out of Tanner Scott and he replaces one of your lefties, the lefty he would replace would be Alex Vesia. That would mean Alex Vesia would be the one starting in AAA Oklahoma City, correct? Yeah, yeah. It would have to be the Dodgers would have to make an yeah. intentional choice to move on from a y- Ryan Yarbrough. Yes. And give They'd his have to DFA him to somebody else, in which case you would have to DFA Ryan Yarbrough or trade him away from the Dodgers. That has to be an intentional choice, but they do not have the option to simply move him yeah. down to the minor leagues without removing him from the 40-man and subjugating him to other organizations. So, in other words, if you choose... If the only way that that Caleb Ferguson or or Ryan Yarbrough are the guys that Tanner Scott's replace is if you DFA Caleb Ferguson or Ryan Yarbrough or trade them, and so yeah, if the Dodgers yeah. want to move on from those yeah. pieces, that is when the Dodgers would get a Tanner Scott yeah. to replace those pieces. Okay, David E. Hey Casey, what's the, the significance of who's invited to spring training? Some roster and some non-roster. So what it means to be rostered, if you're on the 40 man, you automatically are on the you're automatically invited to spring training. So if you're like Alec Gamboa, if you're like if you're like uh, John Rooney, if you're like Ronan Cop, if you're some of these very talented young guys that aren't on the 40 man, then you also get invited to spring training and you get to be in spring training just like all the guys who are on the 40 man. You just aren't on that 40-man roster list. So that's really the big difference there. So Yeah, and I, I was just about to mention the Dodgers did announce some non-roster invites to spring training. Yeah. Some notable names, some names that we've been talking about quite a bit, uh, including guys like a Drew Avens and a Ryan yeah. Ward, which I know that you're excited about. Dodgers fans will be able to see them at big league camp. And Austin Gothier, a Trey Sweeney, a Dalton Rushing, but a, a River Ryan, uh, Kevin Gowdy, a bunch of guys, and some guys from outside the organization who are going to be competing for spots. You, it might be an outside shot, but in case of injuries, that could earn a spot onto the big league roster. We saw a similar situation from a Jason Hayward this past season, where he went out and proved that he is still has value. And he turned that into a role on the Dodgers and eventually a contract this season. So there are a list of guys that are out there that I just saw reported today of guys who are going to be invited and get opportunities to play in spring training games who aren't on the 40 men, but are going to get opportunities to compete against other organizations, big league clubs, and get a lot of playing time in spring training. You might say, Kevin Gowdy, who in the world's that? Well, this is him right here. This is a dude that was up to 98. The Dodgers got him from the Rangers off of a DFA. They've made some adjustments to him. And, boy, that sinker right there at 98 is a tough pitch. Young man out of Santa Barbara, California. I, I like Kevin Gowdy, man. He He's kind of on that Ricky Benasco plight where he came over to the Dodgers and they made some adjustments and he got a lot, lot better. I had a chance to talk to him at the end of last year. This is the young man, Kevin Gowdy, likely won't make the major leagues next year because there is so much talent, but he is very, very good. So I wanted to show you him just a little bit. Who do you see? Yeah, Kers- I, I, I was just about to mention, I got to see Kevin Gowdy. I didn't get a chance to see him in Great Lakes because I don't believe he came to Great Lakes, or at least not that I remember. Yeah, he was part of Philadelphia and Texas organizations, but I did get to see him pitch when I was in Springfield 
uh, Missouri to watch the Drillers play out well, there one game. So, see yeah, it? Kevin Gowdy's very talented. There it is. Who took that video? Who took that video? That might have been you in Springfield, in Springfield, Missouri, right? That is your video from the game. I'll get back to some video that shows him from behind there. Again, that is Kevin Gowdy. So, he, you know, just the, uh, an embarrassment of riches, as we're seeing right here. It said, yeah, they're talking about that about Ronan Cop. Guy looks like a machine. Yes, he does look like a machine. And he is very, very, very talented. So, as we get back to our chat here, how about A.J. Puck with the Marlins? Again, it's all about opportunity cost. I have no problem with him if he's replacing Alex Vesia. I do have a problem if he's taking away innings from Emmett Sheehan or Kyle Hurt. I, I'm in, we're, We've already discussed that with uh, Tanner Scott, yeah. so I think we're probably on the same page with A.J. Puck, too. Yeah, I, I would say there, it would be a little bit more difficult to get from the Marlins because of the years yeah. of control that he has. He does have three years of control. He does come with options, which I'm sure the Dodgers would appreciate more. Tanner Scott does not come with any minor league options in this past season. He's pitched really good. His Sierra keeps dropping year over year over year. He strikes out a lot of batters. Again, his baseball savant is phenomenal. Are you willing to pay more for an AJ Puck to get several more years of control as opposed to trading yeah. for one year of control with Tanner Scott? That is going to be the decision for the Dodgers. Do they think AJ Puck is that much more valuable of a player? Is he better than Ronan Cop? Yeah, that's, that's the question. Be... Is he going to be better, better than Ronan Cop 365 days from right now? That's the question you have to ask. Yep, and those are very good questions. Tanner Scott is the most likely option, yep, but A.J. Puck is an option, especially if the Marlins are looking to trade a lot of their pieces from their big league organization. The flexibility that Tanner Scott gives you on the one-year deal is, is what makes him attractive because then you can dive into the Ronan Cops and all the guys after that coming up next year. You're not stuck with the guy for three years just because you, you, you felt like you needed to go get a left-handed reliever, that kind of thing, so... I think that's why Tanner Scott makes sense. Larry Parcher says, listen to Janice Joplin and get him while you can. Again, you're looking at Kevin Gowdy here on your screen. Moose says, I agree, Casey. Have to use Hurt. Denard says, Kyle Hurt has a ridiculous strikeout rate throughout the minors. Just like Michael Bush, Kyle has nothing to prove in the minor leagues. That is ding, 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 Denard. That is 100% correct. Again, you're looking at Kevin Gowdy. Yeah, that is absolutely right. A lot of these guys have very little to prove at the minor leagues, and they're going to need availability, and they're going to need experience at the big mm -hmm. league level to take that next step in their development. It is about opportunity for the Dodgers. They have a lot of veterans, which is going to cut into that opportunity, and some of that development needed to make them the best pitchers available which is why you could see at some point in the future some of these guys become available in trades because the opportunity might not be there in the future for the Dodgers yes cop is a left-hander we showed him to you just a minute ago matter of fact let's put cop back on the screen he's probably a guy that we have not highlighted enough now we have talked about him probably on three or four different shows he's been on some of our top prospects list he was on our, our our video from last night, but still, I don't think that we have shown Ronan Cop enough because this dude is just absolutely—he uh, like it's like somebody said he looks like a machine when he's pitching. There's Ronan Cop again. So let's answer some of these questions and get back into our chat as we're watching Ronan Cop. Who else would you rather be watching pitch? Right, having a bullpen that can com compete for the regular season means zip. 
We need to think playoffs. Options mean very little if our lefties get rocked. That's from Laker Station Noog. Uh, Noog. Yep, and that, that would go into getting the high leverage guys that, that would play their stuff, their type of stuff plays up in the postseason. Dave E., thank you so much for joining every Sunday, Friday, and every Friday, Sunday, and Wednesday. The spring training invites get value more than we've already covered that question. Marv Larson says, why does Kyle Hurt have to be in a trade? How about Hurt in the seventh inning? Then Puck in the eighth, Phillips in the ninth, Casey, A.J., yeah, I can tell you this, that teams have inquired about Kyle Hurt and the Dodgers aren't interested. They, they like Kyle Hurt. Yeah, and, and I can say having the back end of the rotation, Kyle Hurt, then turn that over to A.J. Puck and then turning that over to an Evan Phillips, that would be an absolutely nasty back end of the bullpen. That would be very difficult for teams to navigate and hit against. Yeah, again, you're looking at Ronan Cobb here, a young Thunderbolt arm. He reached... Over 100 miles an hour in a bullpen has not hit that 100-mile-an-hour mark in a game yet, but I, I think this is a guy – I think of everybody, he might make more noise and, and, and get the, huh, who's this guy? Where'd he come from? I think he might be that guy more than anybody else in the system next year. Yeah, no, Ronan Cops is amazing. Are the minor leagues similar to spring training? Seems like they're working to get better instead of just playing baseball. Yeah, so you have backfields, Denard. And on the backfield, you're working on bunt coverages. You're working on first and third plays. You're working on rundowns. You're working on hitting your cutoffs. You're working on – you might be taking live BP. So those are all your, your fields where, you know, pitchers covering first, all of your PFP stuff, PFP meaning pitcher fielding practice. So you have all those backfields to where the the, the veterans, yeah, they use the backfields. But after about two days, man, the, the veteran the – veteran, Position players, they're like, hey, throw me some BP. Let me take my 15 BP cuts, and let's play some games, right? So those backfields are mainly for your rookies. So your rookies get all those reps in. And then if you get that invite, you get to play on the main field. Got to see Ryan Ward do that last year. And when you get – so like Ryan Ward's liable to be standing at first base. So they're liable to take a guy like Kendall George, who's a great base stealer. And they might be playing a game on the backfield, and every time somebody gets on base, they put Kendall George at first base so he can run the bases like 82 times in one day, right? And then all of a sudden, on about the 75th time, Kendall George is trying to read a pitcher, trying to steal second base, and he's getting all these reps in, trying to learn how to steal a base. One of the managers or coaches comes up and says, Hey, Ken, you're going to the main field, brother. You're playing in the game tonight. That's what happens to these guys. And it's like, holy crap, I'm good. You know, I'm getting to play on the big field. And you get all those butterflies. And so that's the really cool part of this is that they're all together and you're just one conversation away of getting to play with Shohei Otani. I will say, during spring training, obviously it's going to be excited, it's exciting to watch Shohei Otani, to watch Teoscar Hernandez, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman play in the first several innings of a spring training game. Yeah. I don't think there's anything that Casey and I are looking more forward to, and this is usually backwards than the standard baseball fan, than the last couple of innings when you get some yeah. of these non-roster invites 
and some of the guys yeah. getting invite over from minor league camp to when we're seeing, holy cow, that guy yeah. was playing in Dow Diamond last yeah. year. And now we get to see him playing in a Dodgers uniform. So not a lot of people get excited about the late innings of spring training. If you watch Dodgers daily and you get to know a lot of these guys in your system, you're going to you're going to think, hey, I've seen that guy before. This guy is incredibly talented and get a sneak peek of those guys yep. late inning in the game, which we saw with several of their different players position player wise and pitchers wise so those are my favorite parts of spring training games is actually the back part of spring training when these guys are getting opportunities mm-hmm. to play with the big league club lakers station noob love kyle but not sure if we really want to trust a sophomore in a crucial playoff game like the aj puck pickup comment earlier i personally i want talent and if you put the most amount of talent on the field and you give them the proper amount of reps, in the end, you end up with the best team at that point. The, the idea that the Dodgers need to keep suppressing their, their prospects because they're young and you don't want to trust them, every, every player, every player in the major leagues, A.J. Puck, Tanner Scott, Clayton Kershaw, they were all prospects at one point, and they were all rookies at one point. You know how they ended up becoming guys that you trust? How do you become a guy that people trust in the major leagues, Austin? You get opportunities. You get opportunities. You, you get put on yeah. the mound. You get put in big situations. You you get yeah. put out there to see if you can handle it, right? So these prospects can never become players that you trust, guys that can throw 100 and strike out north of 40% uh, of the hitters that they face. A guy like Kyle Hurt can never become the guy that you can trust if you qu- if you don't put him out there in those situations. So if the Dodgers continue to put Lance Lynn out there over uh, Ryan Pepio or starting an Emmett Sheehan or somebody like that, then they're never then they're never going to have their, their prospects like Kyle Hurt and Nick Frosso, the most talented guys they have on the roster, in positions to pitch those big innings. So I'm for yeah. just take the most talented guys you have, give them the most amount of experience you have, ride with it, if you don't win the World Series this year, but Kyle Hurt and Nick Frosso and Landon Knack and River Ryan and all these guys, Gavin Stone, got great experience, then go win the World Series the next two out of three years because these guys are more talented than anybody you can go pick up. That, that's kind of what yeah, I'm I, at. I think that's a really crucial point yeah. that you need to understand is every single one of these players started off in the shoes that these guys at the minor league level started off with. They all started off as prospects. Will this guy turn into something? That was Clayton Kershaw in 2007 when the Great Lakes Loons started their first ever season. Yep. And he came and I got to see Clayton Kershaw pitch for the Great Lakes Loons. Nobody was, would have guessed that he would have turned out into a Hall of Fame career. But because he was given the opportunity at the big league level and because he ran with that opportunity and was given lots of opportunities to be able to grow into the type of pitcher that he was – he the Dodgers got an incredibly valuable Hall of Fame type piece. We're not saying that these guys in the system are going to be Hall of Fame type pitchers or position players. But if you give these guys the opportunity, yep. because every single guy starts off as a prospect, if you give these guys the opportunity to grow and develop, some of them might not work out. But some of them can turn into a James Altman. Some of them yep. can turn into a Bobby Miller. And th- last year, there's no way to know time, unless you put them out there. There's no way yeah, to know. Yeah, last year at this time, James Altman was facing a a real question as far as whether he was going to make it to the major league roster. 
early in spring training, people didn't think that James Outland was going to make it to the major league roster. He got the opportunity. The Dodgers gave him run time, and he turned it into a three and a half to four WAR player, which yep. is a value wise a twenty-five to thirty million dollar contract that you get to pay the league minimum for, and you have them under control for five years. That is the value. And in order to have these large contracts, you're going to have to rely on some of these minor league players mm-hmm. to grow and develop. And luckily for the Dodgers, they have some phenomenal talent. It is about giving these guys opportunity to be able to grow into the types of players that they can become. Mm-hmm. Some of them won't. Some of them will, and those ones that will become some of the most valuable pieces in your organization. Marv, Marv is on fire tonight. Marv is making some great points here. If the Dodgers have the power left-handed late-inning pitchers ready for Dodger Stadium, they will be next to impossible to compete with. Totally agree, Marv. That's why Austin and I have been – we have been on the Tanner Scott train for a while. It's also why I was on the James Paxton train because I also think as the playoffs condense and, and – there's fewer games and they're spread out more. I think there is a world where you could move James Paxton to the to the bullpen. Now you have his stuff that I think could play up to 97, 98 miles an hour. And, and I think he could play that role when he's not needed in a starting role because the games are so spread out in the playoffs. So we have definitely been on that, that band wagon that train. Moose 1032, I tend to trust Baseball America. They really dig deep. It's less hype and more substance. Yeah, Baseball America, yeah, in terms of top prospects list, I think is probably the gold standard. Yeah, Baseball America, they have a lot of scouts. They have a yes, lot they of representatives that they talk to. Yeah, all of these guys have different people that they talk to, different scouts. Uh, they do a lot of really good evaluation. But with everybody in their evaluation, especially because baseball is incredibly difficult, mm-hmm. Nobody's going to get it perfect, and you're going to overlook talent, and we're trying to present the case for the guys in the Dodgers organization. Lakers Station, Noob. Trade pitching prospects to get talent Marlins want if they don't want our pitchers. Marv is telling the truth, talking about getting a Tanner Scott. We are on that bandwagon. Trade scenarios are perfect for us because it trades away the prospects that need to be traded because that gives them the cleaner path to the major leagues. Then the Dodgers get back what they need to win a World Series. I love the trade situations for the Dodgers. Dodgers never get a – this is from Moose. Dodgers never get a first-round draft pick but continue to have a top farm system. That's because of guys that you're going to hear from on Tuesday. Had a chance to talk to Tom Kunis. I have communicated with Jonah Rosenthal. Jonah found Peyton Martin in the 17th round. He found Jake Polarski out of independent baseball. And then Tom Kunis found – James Altman. It's because of those types of guys. And you're going to hear the pedigree and resume of Tom Kunis, and you're going to go, oh, well, that's why he's able to find these guys, because he's been in the game and had that amount of experience. That's never going to stop. Make sure and listen to that conversation with Tom Kunis, and he will, once you hear him talk, you will know why the Dodgers are able to find all these guys that continue to fill up their farm system. Denard says, hey, Casey Austin, call out one Bold prediction in 2024. Bold prediction, Austin. Ooh, that is that that's it's really tough to make prediction predictions not going into spring training. I'm sure somebody else has already done this before. I think Andy Pies has a chance yeah. to be on the playoff roster and potentially starting Ooh, a playoff game for the Dodgers. Ronan Cop will be the guy that I think creates the most noise in the system. Where I think there are some Dodgers fans 
that mildly cover or know about the prospects might start knowing who Ronan Cop is. I, I think he's yeah, going to make noise. I'll also I'll also throw in another curveball. I will say that Austin Gothier is going to give Chris Taylor a run for his money. He's going to force Chris okay. Taylor to perform because I think Austin Gothier is that next wave of a utility type player yeah. that Chris Taylor types fills in. We are going to go until 7:40 tonight. We're going to get through this chat and we're going to get to all of these wonderful conversations because they this has just been a fantastic show tonight in terms of our lobby, the conversations we've gotten into. It's been awesome. Danielle, if anything, there is a bit of a gap right now between the players who have graduated over the young guy's system is stacked, no doubt. Larry Parcher says, I miss the days when great pitchers were their own closer or actually better in the ninth than the first. No doubt those aren't the days nowadays, though. They tell guys to go out, don't conserve, go out and max out. We've got plenty of guys to come behind you. That's why six-man rotations are tough because because guys are maxing out and only going five to six innings nowadays, you're using the bullpen more. And then if you're reducing the amount of guys you have in the bullpen, but using them more, just mathematically, that doesn't work. Yeah, I will will say, and I know this is not a popular name in this chat, the – I think a Justin Verlander type pitcher is one of the last yep. of his kind, a guy that can throw early, low nineties early in the start and then ramp up to 97, 98 guys are just ramping up to 97, 98 and yeah. going from maximum efficiency early as opposed to length. It's a yep. different style. I think major league baseball in the future, if they want to maximize or market starting pitchers i think i've heard rumors in the past about trying to figure out ways that they're going to try to do that but in the way baseball is currently constructed efficiency over length or maximizing the opportunities that you get is the name of the game and so you're seeing pitchers go all out in the innings that they get because every inning matters makes sense from that aspect but you're having less length from your pitchers as a result cole better bring back justin turner so he can pitch long relief and a blowout yeah marv kyle hurt will definitely get his opportunity this year Uh, there's no doubt he's gonna have to he's just way too talented not to moose says i wouldn't want to mess with yamamoto going more than once a week so i think that that i think there's gonna be six-man rotation then there's gonna be bullpen games and there's all sorts of different creative ways and then you can bring up different what i'm trying to tell you is the way that you keep this working is that you, you bring up Nick Frasso, then you send him down, then you bring up Landon Knack, then you send him down, then you bring up Gavin Stone, then you send him down, then you then you bring up Michael Grove, you send him down. That way that, that you're 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 being able to keep arms fresh. That's why you have to it has to be a rotation on that six spot. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it's gonna it's they're gonna have to take advantage of different options as well as the injured list whether that is has to do with a so quote-unquote phantom injury or however they're gonna have arms healthy i think they're going to try to maximize their roster as best as it possibly can which leads into the question of some of these guys who don't have minor league options yeah are they best suited for this dodgers in order to keep their arms healthy or is there other options the Dodgers could pursue? I don't think this is com- the Dodgers bullpen is completely 100% set. I think there's still a lot of decisions the Dodgers have to make. Denard, hey, thank you for the super chat. Denard, thank you so much. We we so much appreciate you and what everything that you've 
contributed here to Dodgers Daily. It is so awesome. Is there a chance the Dodgers have six players with 30-plus home runs? That would be Mookie Betts. That would be Will Smith, possibly. That would be Max Muncy. That possibly could be James Altman. That possibly could be Otani. That possibly – it's possible. That would – T.O. could go over 30. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a good point. No doubt. Yeah, she asked, yeah, at, yeah, James Altman – uh, if yep. he has the if he has a great powerful season, I would say he's more of a twenty to twenty five. Maybe I would say that was a very bold prediction yep. to say that six guys hit thirty home runs. But with this lineup, you have guys where you can envision. Okay, this guy's going to yep. hit thirty. This guy could hit thirty, to where that becomes a very real possibility. And if you have six guys hitting thirty home runs, and you have other guys who are hitting twenty ten home runs you're having a lot of power in this lineup that is going to produce a lot of runs and going to win a lot of games. Yep. Moose says Dodgers choose seniority over talent. It's frustrating at times. It definitely is for guys like us, and especially when you're not winning World Series. Tian, I think Hurt is making the open-day roster. My question for you would be, then who's not? Who, are you, who is he making the, the, the opening-day roster over? So that that would be my question. Who are yeah. the thirteen pitchers? Yeah, that, that's a good question. But I I sure hope that Kyle Hurt makes yes, the opening too. day roster me because too. he he I think he is one of the eight best most talented relief pitchers on this Dodgers team. So I certainly hope no he gets that opportunity. Okay, and TN also says I think there needs to be a trade because we have too many arms and not enough spots. That's why I've been saying I just wish the Dodgers. I love the Paxton signs. I. I just wish they would have went the, the the trade market instead and cleared some of these guys instead of just stockpiling them. I, the, the stockpiling of guys and letting them become 27 years old and not even and not even giving them a chance to come to the major leagues that 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 frustrates me. That that is, I'm not going to lie. That frustrates me because again, all a guy should get is a chance. Just give them a chance. When you're not even giving them a chance to come to the major leagues and they're 27, that's not their fault. They're, I mean. That's just you hoarding them and, and not giving them a chance. I, that frustrates me. Yeah, no, that definitely frustrates me, and I want these guys more than anything. I think they deserve to get the opportunity yep. at the big league level. The Dodgers obviously don't want to lose all of their pitching depth because they lost all of their pitching depth in this past, last yep. season, and that turned out very negative results. You also don't want to hurt the development of these young guys as they are entering into Mm -hmm. opportunities to make the big leagues, to reach their dreams, to make life-changing amounts of money, not just for them, but for for generations of them after them. Um, You want those opportunities to be available. One of those avenues is a trade, which is why I think both Casey and I were pushing for a Jesus Lazardo trade before the James Paxton signing, because that would have gotten you a high a starting left-handed pitcher with a lot of velocity while also providing opportunity for the younger guys. I think there will be because of some of the injury concerns with this roster, some opportunities for these young guys to come up and pitch at the big league level. It is about how frequent and how much in the, the quantity 
and frequency of these innings that these young guys get in order to maximize their development. I don't know what that is going to look like. I just hope that they get opportunities that they very clearly deserve and have the talent to before they get 27, 28, 29, in which case their big league career is wasted because the Dodgers hoarded them. All right, Marv says only 34 complete games by one pitcher were pitched in 2023. Wow. That's a telling stat right there. Moose, Alvin smashed in spring training last season, and they were going to send him back. I think Kyle Hurts in the situation that that James Altman was in last year. I think it's very similar. Again, I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm just doing the math, right? Cole, Dodgers going to have hard choices if they go after Roki next year. Roki will see. It's not guaranteed he's going to post. As a matter of fact, it's probably not likely at this point, but we'll see. May Gonsolin, Kershaw. Yes, there's an amazing amount of talent, which is another reason why we like Nazardo because with the team control, if he was the guy you wanted to move next year because you had a logjam instead of like a Paxton, then you could have moved him for, because he still had two years of team control left, you could have moved him for a whole bunch of really nice prospects. By going and getting a James Paxton, now you don't have that option to do that next year. Yeah, I will say going into next season, if you have too much starting pitching, especially too much starting pitching that's at the big league level that has proven that they can be successful. I would say that's a really good problem to have because starting pitching is incredibly valuable. And especially at free agency, we're seeing guys get massive deals starting pitching. Teams are willing to give up prospects in order to get starting pitchers. And that presents an opportunity for the Dodgers. Even if they aren't able to get maximized the return on the trade, they can still get really nice trade pieces to either address the big league club or to help with this farm system. Marv Larson, to Casey's point, Scott and Puck have taken a number of years to get command of the strike zone. Puck still can be wild. Yeah, I mean, you, they can't become consistent major leaguers you can trust unless they're on the field. Moose, Casey, who would you compare Ronan Cop to? I'm going to put him back on the screen here because I still have him up. This is an easy one for me, Austin. You know who I'm going to compare him to? Who's Madison that? Madison Bumgarner. He looks like him. He pitches like him. His motion is like him. He looks just like Madison Bumgarner to me. Cole, making a trade for another team's player is like Forrest Gump's box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get, especially when they're relievers. Relievers are very volatile. Paxton and Sheehan are on my wire. Who to pick up? That's from Angelo. Angelo, I'm guessing it'll be a majority for Sheehan. Paxton had some excellent games for me last year. Marv, where will, where will Cobb and Harris pitch in 2024? That's that's Ronan Cop. Cop is going to pitch yeah. at Double A Tulsa. Harris, I think, is going to move up to Triple A Oklahoma City. Laker Station, Laker Station, Noog. Why why are we all in for a World Series win? I if we put Kyle Hurt in pressure situations during the regular season to bring him along for the next year, great, but not for this year's playoffs. Moose Dodgers. I would rather have. Well, we'll see. Dodgers were going to play Trace Thompson over Altman. Yes, they were. Marv Lawson, do the Dodgers have any middle infielders and the minors who could fill in their starters going down? Trey Sweeney, Austin Gothier, and then you have Alex Freeland at the high level. And you also do have Miguel Vargas that Miguel can Vargas, come up. Yeah. He's on the four. He will be if there's an injury to the infield, he will be the first guy yep. that gets called up because he is on the forty man roster. Yep. And Angelo says prayers that Glass now stays healthy. DS, good evening, DS. Thank you for joining. Marlins need position players, trade Margot, and non-minor league option arms. Denard Freeman loves his prospects. 
Yeah, Friedman. But he needs to trade some to clear up a logjam. I totally agree with you, Denard Marv. By the 1st of June, hopefully we'll have a better idea of where our young arms are at. Hopefully the Dodgers give them enough runway so we can see. And then Norm says World Series expectations need to be tempered for 2024. The lineup still has too many holes. And to me, you have the same types of guys who are owned in the playoffs at Tarzan regular season, but a Jane playoff is still in play. We've got about two minutes left, Austin. Yeah, I, th- I think there is still con- some concern for the Dodgers because of their recent playoff performance the past two seasons. You got eliminated by division rivals in the division series when you won a bunch of games during the regular season. You beat up on these teams and you lost to them. Obviously, that's going to leave a bad taste in your mouth. And especially if you're returning a lot of those players to the organization, you don't trust these guys completely. What I can say is the guys that they have have a ton of talent and they have a long track record of performing especially during the regular season. Even some of these guys have performed in postseasons past. Mookie Betts has performed for the Dodgers, for the Red Sox in the postseason. Freddie Freeman has performed for the Braves in the postseason. Shohei Otani hasn't had the opportunity to perform for the postseason because he was on the Angels. He's going to have that opportunity to play when the lights shine brightest. You don't know how he's going to show up, but if his major league regular season track record is any indication of the type of player that he can become, Shohei Otani is going to be a great postseason hitter, especially because power plays up in the postseason and i think if you go up and down this roster there are some guys that you would be concerned that strike out a lot which especially in shorter stints those can come in very key very crucial situations there's also a lot of guys who don't strike out a lot and are well well above league average meaning they have a low strikeout percentage you're looking at guys like mookie betts is definitely in that category. You're looking at some other guys on this lineup. Will Smith doesn't strike out a ton. Gavin Lux can be a guy who doesn't strike out too much. Um, There are a lot of really good, talented players in this roster, and that is as best as you can ask for, is put the Mm -hmm. best talent on your roster available sometimes it's going to work out sometimes it's not the past two seasons it has not worked out but when you have this much talent when you have several future hall of famers on your team in your lineup more often than not those guys are going to show up in shorter stints they're going to show up in big moments i still have confidence in a Mookie Betts, in a Freddie Freeman, in a Shohei Otani to show up in the playoffs because their track record in the regular season indicates that they are incredibly talented players. And I think they will have the op- they were going to have the opportunity. And I think they're going to take advantage of that opportunity this upcoming season. The Dodgers added reinforcements. They fortified their starting rotation last season. It didn't even seem like they got an opportunity. They just got punched in the face and fell down immediately with some of these starts that they got. They got down early. Lance Lynn gave up a couple of home runs, as he seems to do. I think they are going to have a really good opportunity with the level of talent they have to perform in the postseason. And you have to take advantage of getting a World Series when Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Shohei Ohtani are in their prime because it's going to get much more difficult as they get older and older. That's why this Dodgers team has World Series-type expectations. They have as much talent as anybody, and they have to do it soon. 
want to thank everybody for tuning in. It has been a wonderful show. We had a wonderful lobby today. So for my partner, Austin Brubaker, who, as DMAC would say, has the best show flow in business. I'm Casey Porter, and go Dodgers.